So, uh, let me give a quick introduction. Let me give you just a little bit of my testimony. If you will advance to the next slide, Jordan. That is myself and my beautiful and wonderful husband. Yes, he's very beautiful to me. Um, so let me give you a little bit of backstory. Um, I was a missionary kid. I grew up in Germany. My parents are, you know, in the ministry. And uh, it was such... A beautiful and wonderful thing to watch God work in my parents' lives and uh, see how God really moves. Um, but when I was 18 years old in 2015, uh, I went to uh, PCC, uh, Pensacola Christian College in Pensacola, Florida, where I met my husband, uh, David. You know, and uh, he said, let's get married. And I said, all right, well, sure. So then he, uh, he moved us to Alabama. You know, and it's funny because God has a sense of humor. And you always hear that. You really do. And you're like, okay, fine. He's funny. Whatever. I told myself when I was growing up, I was like, I'm never going to marry a man from the South. They're all like, you know, yee, yee, big trucks, you know, let's go home, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, my deer was bigger than your deer, and I got more cable on my truck than you got cable. And I was like, I don't know. Anyway, so God has a sense of humor because I met David, and he's like, I'm from Alabama. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, I like to think of him as my uh, my beautiful, wonderful, proper southern gentleman, you know, and uh, God's brought me here, and he has a reason for all of that. Um, so, you know, through all my life, and I'm saying this, and I'm getting somewhere, through all my life, you know, being in the mission field, you meet so many different people, and you go so many different places, and you always fit in, and, you know, God always, you know, makes a way for you. Uh, everywhere I went. Always knew people, always had friends. You know, I could go anywhere uh, starting high school, automatically already had friends. I went to college the first day I had a group of people around me, you know, because that's just the personality that God's, God's given me. Um, you know, and then I moved here, and a lot of you know, in little tiny towns, it's like, so, uh, who's your daddy? And I'm like, uh, Andrew Wilson? And they're like, oh, no, not him. Who's your granddaddy? Who's your grandma? And I'm like, you all know them either. They're all in Georgia or, you know, California, Colorado. And they were like, uh, all right, so uh, it's been nice knowing you. I'm just going to go over here, this weird one over here. So, you know, uh, God brought me through this season of life where all of a sudden, when I moved here, I had what felt like nobody. Of course, I had my family. You know, but like, if you were to go and tell somebody, oh, yeah, my best friend here is my mother-in-law, they're like, Oh, honey, that's sweet, you know, and I love it, and I absolutely love that uh, I have a wonderful mother-in-law, and we don't feud, you know, and we don't fight, so, you know, God's been good, but uh, through that time, you know, I went through a deep depression, very deep depression, like nobody understands me, nobody gets me, uh, but God was like, you know what, I've got you, you know, and that was a season of life, uh, where God was like, you know what, I'm enough for you. When everyone around you doesn't understand you because of the way you talk, because of, you know, your thought patterns, whatever, maybe he's like, you know, I've always had you. And when I was sitting on the side of my tub crying my eyes out because I'm like, God, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, I feel so lonely and alone. You know, uh, he was like, 
you need to be patient and you need to wait. And so I was like, okay, God, but how long do I have to wait? How long is like long? And he was like, you know what? That doesn't really matter, does it? Because I've got you. And I said, okay, God, all right, well, we'll wait, we'll be patient, you know, and uh, one thing led to another, and my brother and sister-in-law, they decided to renovate their house. You know, it's a billion years old, but here we are renovating their house, and uh, God brought us so much closer together, and I'm like, you know, so thankful for that relationship that was formed, and then uh, out of the blue, out of the blue, one day, you know, David gets a text from Jordan. And Jordan was like, hey, David, you know, I saw that you got married and that kind of stuff. You know, uh, Boy and I were hosting a small group. Would you and your wife be interested in coming? And, like, David had talked about them before, and he's like, we should hook up with them. You know, they're really great people. And I was like, mm, they're probably not going to get me either. They're probably going to be some backwoods people that, like, they just don't understand, you know, whatever. So, you know, there I was, the enemy planting that seed, you know, judgey, judgey, whatever. So we went that night. And then I left, and I was like, you know what, David? They have height. They're not too bad. But it was crazy because if Jordan hadn't texted, then our friendship would not have formed. And then I firmly, we would not be here right now. You know, and it's beautiful because that friendship has just blossomed into something that I could have never imagined. And then I look back, and that's like, see how cute you were when you were down, and you were low, and you were like, feeling some kind of way, and then I bring these people, I'm like, okay, God, I feel you, I hear you, you know, I see you, I see what you're doing in me. Um, but anyway, so all that to say, you know, God's brought us here for a reason and for a purpose, and I firmly believe that he has a reason and purpose for each and every one of you. Um, you know, and I was telling David today, he's like, you feeling good? I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling good, you know, and oftentimes we say, I just want to be a vessel a vessel for God. And I'm like, David, you know what? I don't want to be a vessel. I want to be a teapot. Because, you know, teapots are vessels, you know, and what do you do with a teapot? You pour something in. You let it steep, you know, and uh, God's been pouring something into me, and he's been making this word steep and stuff like that, and I just want to pour it out, you know. Here I am, teapot, short and stout, you know, just want to pour it out. So anyway, anyway, so let's get into it. You know, um, when I first moved here, I was looking for a job, obviously, as you do. And uh, Savannah, her mom, sister-in-law Savannah Pierce, she was like, uh, my mom works at Alabama One. You know, I think they're hiring. You should look into that. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I was like, I've never been good at math. I really, really hate math. And I don't know if I'm going to do well. And I was scared to death. So I was like, okay, well, I'll put an application. How bad can it be? Put an application got a job there, uh, got had me there for a while, and then I was like, God, you know, I'm, I kind of want to get out of the financial industry, you know, it's not, not fitting what I want, you know, I want something in the arts, because I'm very artistic, I want to do graphic design, you know, videography, photography, and he's like, okay, cool, but, uh, you know, keep your options open, and I was like, God, the only way I'll go to another financial institution is if maybe, possibly, one day, there was something at Mercedes, because having lived in Germany, I speak German, and I'm like, you know, I get them, they'll get me, you know, German, whatever. So, uh, lo and behold, one day I'm sitting there scrolling on Indeed, and what pops up? Alabama Credit Union on the Mercedes plane. And I said, very interesting, God. I see that there. Uh, okay, well, I'll submit an application, you know, following your will. And so I submitted an application, and they called me, and they're like, so uh, I see on here that you uh, speak German, you live in Germany. And I was like, that's right. And they're like, okay, cool, so you have the job. 
And I was like, okay, God, you know, I'm just a teller again here at Mercedes, loved it, you know, and I was like, this is not what I want to do forever, but God in that season was like, I have you here for a reason. Just like I allowed you to have that experience at Alabama One and gain all that knowledge at Alabama One about how financial industries work, I'm going to use that at Alabama Credit Union at the Mercedes plant. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to grow here where I'm planted, allow you to water me. And, you know, uh, I firmly believe he helped with the German people, help put their minds at ease, you know, very much that. And I was like, okay, God, but like, I want to do something else. Like, this is not what I want. And God's like, okay, we'll be patient. And I was like, okay, be patient. So, you know how when you start a job, you'll have like a six-month probationary period, whatever. Well, uh, certain positions came up, and I applied for one. Um, you know, met with a director, and she was like, okay, well, you know, we'll look into it, whatever. Well, somebody else got that position. But then a position came up for a talent developer. And I said, well, that sounds fun. You know, I can teach whatever. So I applied for that. Six months into there, and they're like, oh, yeah, we want you for this position. And I said, okay. Cool. You know, I'm like, you know, again, teaching's not my MO. I mean, I can, you know, it is what it is. But uh, God was like, no, I need you here. I need you to get your foot in the door. And I said, okay, well, let me go. So as I start going, another girl went out of your hired on. Her name is Taylor, and I love her to death. And, you know, Taylor's phenomenal. Like, she knows. Like, you have a question about something, she knows. And I'm like, God, I don't know. Like, she knows. Like, you know, I can fake it, but I don't know. Like, she knows. And so God was like, no, 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 I have a plan for you. So we got in there. Our first day, we're together. And uh, our supervisor was like, so, you know, uh, Taylor's going to focus on this and teaching, blah, blah, blah. We want you to have a different focus. And I said, okay, what is that? She's like, well, we want you to help with, like, uh, more of, you know, behind the scenes, managing um, our learning technology and all that kind of stuff, knowledge management systems, all big words. And we want you to help make the packets and do maybe promotional stuff within talent development. And that's our training department. And I said, oh, so I'm going to be doing graphic design and making videos and stuff? And she was like, yeah, basically. And I'm like, okay, God, I see you. I see what you did there. And I was like, all right. So, you know, a little bit into it, you know, loving it, thriving, vibing. And uh, not too long ago, my supervisor came to me and she said, hey, we want to change your title. And I said, okay. And she's like, we want you to now be a learning technology specialist. So what I'm doing now is I am creating how-to videos to walk people through things. I'm creating content and editing and doing what I love. Every single day I go into work and I would have never thought that God would have put me in a financial institution to do what I love. You know, because I was applying all of these other places, you know, photography, videography, and they all said no. Uh, but what was remarkable to me while I did go to college, you know, uh, I didn't finish. We left in between, and I was like, you know, college will always be there, whatever. Uh, but when I signed those papers for a learning technology specialist, one of the qualifications was has to have a degree. And I said, only God could have brought me here. Only God could have given me this position. Only God, you know, if I were to have done it in my own strength, I wouldn't be here right now, you know. So anyway, all that to say... Uh, you know, I've learned a lot being in financial institutions, and I found passion for a lot of things. Uh, and one of those things is, uh, uh, if you go to the next slide, is investing. 
Crickets, okay. So boys are the only one excited about investing. That's cool, fine, whatever, you know, Dave Ramsey, here we go. So uh, I, I find it fascinating because investing to me is you put a little bit of something in and then you watch it grow and then what happens, you get a return on it. So anyway, let's get into it. Uh, if you'll go to the next slide. Oh, well, it's not, I don't think it's that one. We can go to the next one. No, that's not the investing we're talking about either. You can go to the next one. There it is. You guys were scared from when I was going to talk about stats and real investing. No, 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 no. David asked me last night, he's like, are you really going to talk about investing? I'm like, I sure am. So anyway, um, I hope you can see that, but let's read from Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. It says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds when he should get. But the thing is, the verse doesn't just talk about giving. It's talking about, you know, if you give freely, you will grow richer. Okay. But if you withhold what you should be giving, you will only suffer want. Okay. But then it also goes on to say, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And the one who waters will himself be watered, right? So oftentimes we have like all of these gifts and talents and abilities and uh, everything that God's given us, motivation, whatever that is. But we need to we need to keep it in the family. We need to keep it close. You know, we need to we need to hold that tight because you know uh, you know we get scared in that. Uh, but what we need to do is have faith in God. Because sometimes you get so claustrophobic because you're like, I have to keep all of this real close and I have to protect all of this. Uh, and you're like, well, I'm trying to help people out here and I'm trying to help people out there. Um, but, you know, uh, what, what's going to further the kingdom is the real question. So let's, uh, let's go to the next slide. So let me ask you real quick. Uh, what does investing look like to you? Like, what does that mean to you? You know, some of us, we think about uh, the stock market. We think about our 401k. We think about real estate. You know, uh, boy's always looking for real estate opportunities. He's like, so when are you going to sell your house? And I'm like, wait, no, wait around a little bit. You know, and he always jokes that he's our landlord. Ha ha. Anyway, so, uh, you know, some of us may think of investing as, well, I got this new, a brand new Hermes bag. And it's an investment. You know, some of us look at, yeah, I got these new giant tires for my truck. And it's an investment. I got a light bar for my truck. It's an investment because one day I'll use it. Whatever it is to you. For me, it'd be like, well, I got the latest and greatest, you know, camera because it's an investment. While that might be true, what are we investing in? So let me ask you. When we invest, are we investing in things that uh, we don't care about, that we don't like, that we don't want to give any time to? Because I know I am not going to go invest in something that I don't like. So, as I said before, I hate math. When I took math classes, I never invested in that because I was like, I want to invest in like my graphic design classes. I want to invest in my video classes where I know that I can do well. And, uh, you know, you're going to invest whether that's right or wrong, whatever. But, you know, I did not want to invest in that because that's not what I like. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, you know, and oftentimes we think about uh, 
well, you know, this is mine. So why would I, why would I give it to others? You know, I've worked so hard every single day, like it's my money, my time, my emotions, my feelings, and we keep that so close and we're just like, it's mine. Why would I go and invest that in something? Why would I pour into somebody when uh, I feel so empty, you know? Uh, but let me give you something that's really been speaking to me and, uh, this is something that God's really been putting on my heart very heavily. And uh, I heard this quote the other day. You know, um, when we look at a lot of these scriptures, you know, in the Bible, it talks about money and property a lot. Why? Because it's valuable to people. You know, there's so many people out there that are like, no, I don't want to give my money. I'll give my time, whatever, because that's not as valuable. Or I'll give my money, but my time's more valuable. Or I don't want to give my property. I don't want to, you know, give what I have. Uh, but money is valuable, and we try and secure that. You know, I working at a credit union, you see so many times people get so upset. They're like, well, why am I charged these fees? And I'm like, well, you went into your overdraft. You know, you have no more money in there, so you're going to be charged a fee. And they're like, I don't understand. And I'm like, you have no money, so therefore you get fees. And they don't understand because they're trying to protect this money that they don't have. You know, and then uh, the, this quote that came to me, you know, the only reason we try so hard to secure something is when that something is extremely valuable or that something is extremely vulnerable in our lives. So if something is not valuable and something is not vulnerable in our lives, we're not going to try and secure it. You know, if I cared less, uh, I mean, David cares less about makeup. He's like, eh, you know, it's makeup, whatever. Whereas, uh, you know, if he went and threw like a Morphe palette in the trash, you know, a lot of us would be, <laughs> do you understand how much that costs? He's like, I don't care. I never use it. What does it matter to me? Because it's not vulnerable or valuable to him. If I see a, you know, Stephen, once upon a time, had this beautiful car, you know, RIP, you know, and it exploded. It went into flames. If I saw that, I was like, oh, that's sad. It's a car. But no, but because it was valuable and vulnerable to him, he kept that so closely to him. And, you know, he was, he was mourning the loss. Like, Margie was saying the story. She's like, well, I'm going to beat you if you do not smile in these graduation pictures. You know, but that's because it was valuable to him. You know, I'd be the same way, Margie. Dave doesn't smile. I'm going to beat him, but, you know. Uh, you know, so oftentimes when we look at families, what is the thing that is most valuable and vulnerable to families? Well, have you ever been to Disney World or an amusement park? Have you ever been somewhere out and about? And all of a sudden, you see this herd, and they're all in the same color. They're all in red, bright shirts or neon green shirts, and you're like, oh, maybe it's a family, maybe it's a class, but why? Why are they all in the same colors? Because they don't want their kids, the things that are valuable to them, to get lost. Because, you know, you hear horror stories uh, of kids getting lost and all that, uh, but that's anywhere, you know. But because of that, they dress them all in the same color, and they take steps for themselves to secure them because they mean a lot to them, because they're valuable to them. 
if they didn't care, they'd be like, all right, kids, well, uh, you're five years old, you're two, but, uh, you know, go have fun. You have the park to yourself. It's been real. Ride whatever ride you want to ride. But that would not be protecting what was valuable to them. You know, and oftentimes uh, we go through great lengths to secure what means a lot to us. And that applies not only to finances, but it applies to our gifts, our talents, our family. Uh, many of us have been trying to secure those so tightly because you're afraid of them becoming vulnerable. You're afraid, oh, if I let go, it's gonna go. If I don't take measures to try and keep that close, it's gonna go away. You know, uh, because, uh, you know, if we don't feel like something is secure, we secure it ourselves. You know, and that's why so many of us aren't walking in our calling and following God and doing what he wants us to do is because we're afraid of being vulnerable and we're trying to secure this thing that means so much to us, you know, and that breeds insecurity. And insecurity always comes from a lack of trust. And let me say this, when I am insecure, I secure. So what does that mean, you know, when, when you're insecure because uh, you're vulnerable about something or there's something that means a lot to you and you've become insecure, then we do everything in our power to secure that, to keep that close. You know, you see people out there washing their cars. You see people out there, you know, like, oh, Jimmy, you fell down. All right, come on, let's get back up. Okay, baby, it's okay, it's okay. And like the child's fine, but you're trying everything in your power to secure that because you're scared. We drop our phones and it's like a friend just died because that's a valuable to us and vulnerable and it fell and it may or may not cry. We're like, oh, you know, you get real scared. You get real scared. Scared. And you, oftentimes we're scared of, because we have a lack of trust, and you're like, what are they going to do to me? I'm so insecure about how they're going to treat me, and I'm insecure about how it's going to turn out. Because how many of us have been so scared of what people think, what how people are going to judge us? Because growing up, it was always, you can't wear that because the other missionaries are going to judge you for wearing that. You know, your skirt is just right above the knee, but we can't do that because of all what the other missionaries are going to think about you. You know, and we're so scared about what people are going to think. Am I too much? Am I not enough? Like, you know, are they going to believe me? Are they not going to believe me? And then we live in this fear and we try and secure that. And for so long, I was living in this phase of I am scared to be my authentic and genuine self because that was a place of vulnerability, because when I'm my authentic and genuine God-given self, then there's some people that are like, oh, she's too much. Like I've had people straight up tell me to my face, you know, you're nice and all, but this is too much. You know, because I was being vulnerable. I was being my authentic and genuine self. And then, you know, the enemy comes and they tries to plant that seed in you of doubt and scaredness, you know, fear. And, you know, the reason why so many of us are control freaks and why we have to be the ones to get things done and we have to be the ones to do it is because somewhere along the line, somebody broke that trust and they did do it right. And I know I'm the very same way because I'll be doing something just like Jerry. You drove by and you saw me digging that ditch. 
because I was insecure and I was scared that David could not do it the way I wanted him to do it. So in that way, I was being a control freak. And I'm like, David, watch. This is how I need you to do it. This is like, look. You know, and I was trying to take control of that situation because I was scared. And I'm trying to secure that to get what I want because I'm afraid that others are always going to mess it up, screw it up, and not do it the way I want it to be done. You know, uh, and this doesn't apply to just finances, obviously, because uh, we take something that's valuable and we place it in a place of vulnerability. And then suddenly trust is taken away and it leaves us insecure. You know, uh, and oftentimes when we get to that point, oftentimes when we've put ourselves out there over and over and over again, uh, and for me, when I constantly hear, oh, she's crazy, she's weird, she's real special, you know, it, it makes you question your purpose, and it makes you question, should I even be here if nobody likes me? And if they all think I'm crazy and weird, then why am I even here? You know, and then if we let that brood and breed and let the enemy feed that into us, eventually that's what we're going to become. And we're going to try and keep all that so close to us. And we're going to say, no, 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 no. I don't want to put my feelings out there. I don't want that to be out there. Because down the line, somebody is going to come and they're going to ridicule it. You know, but we can't live in that kind of fear. You know, and that's why there's such a small number of people here serving because they were at a church before, wherever they were at, they were giving their time, their efforts, their abilities, and all of a sudden their trust was broken. Yes, right, man. Come on. You know, and now instead of living in that calling that God has for you, now you are somewhere else and you're blaming everyone else and punishing everyone else for something yes. that somebody else did because God was trying to use you in that. And you got insecure and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to hold all this talent and this ability and everything that you've given me, God, and I thank you for it, but I'm just going to hold it and I'm going to walk over here where it's safe and secure and people don't know me and then it's going to be fine. You know, uh, so... What, you know, when you think about that, what are you securing? Because we all have something. If it's not money, if it's not time, it's going to be something else. You know, uh, and one thing I've learned from that, if you are the provider in your life, and you are the one that's going out and securing all the things that are valuable to you, then God isn't. You know, if you're the one making the way in your life, that means God isn't. And when you have to be the one securing your family's future and you're saying, oh, well, we can't go and do that or you guys go do that, but I have to hustle. I have to work so that you can have money to do that or, you know, that's fine and good and all, but I have to do X, Y, and Z too. Then we're taking it upon ourselves and putting ourselves in the place of God to do what he has already done for us. You know, and we're like, all right, well, but then our family said, no, God, God has your family. God will provide. And, uh, you know, that means that you are letting God secure what he has already paid for. Yes. So if you don't want to be the provider in your life, because the last time I checked, the Bible said that he is Jehovah Jireh. Yes. 
your provider, and there can only be one. There's only one place for a provider. There's only one place for a way maker. And if we're doing that in our flawed and human selves, then what is that going to become? Because we've all worked with people. We all know, you know, people are our problem because we're a problem. Right. You know, you've heard uh, anything would be easy. Ministry would be easy. Finance would be easy. Working anywhere would be easy if it weren't for people. But we have this view of ourselves that, well, you know, they're all flawed, but maybe I'm not as flawed. Or we like to focus on the flaws that aren't that bad. You know, like, oh, my hair is not as great as theirs. That's a flaw. You know, like, I could really use to brush my teeth more. That's a flaw. Whatever that looks like. But we want to put ourselves up here and think that we are better than everybody else. And that's something that God has been showing me over and over again. He's like, why do you think that you're better? What makes you, Chelius, Brian, and Pierce, better at X, Y, and Z than everybody else? And I'm like, gosh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I have opinions. I, you know, you can talk to David. I, I'm a very opinionated person, and I feel like I know how things should be done. And when that doesn't happen, I'm like, I don't understand. And you can call that that blue, that high sense of justice. I don't understand why people aren't doing it this way because it makes sense. I don't understand why, you know, people can't follow the rules of the road here. I really don't. And it bothers me. And everyone and their moms is passing on the right side. And I'm like, you know, growing up in Germany, everyone had this code of rules. You do this and this and this on the uh, on the autobahn, the interstate. Like everyone, you, you come to a four-way stop. It's not who got there first. It's the person on the right has the right of way, and then if there's four people at the you know intersection, then it was the person that got there first, and then it's to the right. And there's an order and process for everything. And then I get here, and I'm like, it's like the Wild West out here. And Florida was worse. Florida was so much worse. I'm like, I'm in a line at a red light, and I'm going to go this way, and the line beside me, it turns. And I did not understand. I almost had to come apart when a car comes flying in the turn lane and cuts over, and I'm like, that's not right. And for me, I'm like, I wish I were a cop right now, because then I could go and pull them over, and I could bring justice on them. But all of that is me. Why is it my responsibility? Right. And God's like, but it's not. It's not your responsibility. I've not put you in that place of authority. You know, uh, and the truth is, many of us are securing what we should be investing. You know, bringing it right back around to that investing. We should be investing our time, our talents, our abilities, and our heart. But instead, we're holding them so close and securing them. And that's a shame because we have done nothing to earn all of that. And we're so desperately trying to secure something that was given to us by God. And if we're doing everything in our ability, if I went in there and I'm like, well, I'm going to do this in my ability because I'm flying, I'm dope, and I'm great, and I'm like, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, why did it not turn out? Why is it terrible? And God's like, well, did you ever ask me for help? Was I ever in there? You know, uh, and that's just been something that God's really been working on me. He's like, you know, I've given you these experiences and all of this to help others. So, now we're going to get into our scripture, if you will, please, Jordan. 
So Matthew 25, 14, and 30. And it's been crazy because you know how God works in incredible and mysterious and mighty ways. And the sermon so closely ties with what Boyd was preaching last week and so closely ties with what Pastor Rex is going to be preaching. And you know, you're blown away because I've literally told nobody, nobody what God's given me in this word. So it's incredible. But let's look at this. And I'm all about context of the scripture. You know, so in Matthew 25, 14, and 30, uh, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And he's trying to get his disciples ready. You know, and right now, I firmly believe we're in a season of God getting us ready. So right now, he's speaking to them in parables. You know, and what that is, is words of wisdom. You know, and God often says, he who has ears, let him hear. Because so many people hear this and it goes in one ear and out the other. Have you ever been trying to give someone advice? And they're just like, that's nice, that's nice. And you're just like, don't touch that stove. And they're like, that's nice advice. But, you know, this is a really nice stove. And then you get burned. Yes. You know, because you're not listening. You know, but God has given us these parables and this wisdom for a reason. You know, and the disciples eventually realized. And they're like, oh, shoot, you're right, God. You know, all of this, this makes sense now. But it's when you're willing to listen and you're ready to receive that God's like, okay, now I can give this to you. So let's get into this real quick. So this is the verse, uh, this is the parable about the servants in the town. So let's get into it. So he says here first, For it will be like a man going on a journey who shall call his servants and entrust to them his property. So first of all, we see that the good master, which is God, is going on a long journey. He's going to be gone for a while, just like God came to the earth in the form of Jesus, and now he's gone for a while. But he's entrusted us with stuff, and he entrusted his property. And we've already established that property and money and things like that, they're valuable, and they're things that you want to guard closely, and you wouldn't just give anybody willy-nilly. Like, you don't give your kid to just anybody. You know, you don't go up to the shadiest person in the store and say, hey, can you hold my baby for a minute? You know, because I know I wouldn't go up to just anybody and be like, hey, can you hold my puppies for a minute and I'll be right back? You know, because you're going to come back and they're going to be gone, you know, or you hope not. But that's what happens. So when you trust something to somebody, you expect them to guard it well and do what you want with it. So let's go to the next verse. To the one he gave five talents... To the another two, to another one, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. And some of you are like, okay, okay, maybe you have a high sense of justice like me, and you're like, God, why did you, why did you give some five, some two, and some one? Like, that's not fair. If you're going to go away and you're going to trust that, you might as well split it up. You know, but the thing is, in our finite minds, we think that's not just. And so many of us, uh, we're assuming that it's not fair because of our situation, because of our setup in life. We're like, well, it's not fair, God, that they're getting to do this in X, Y, and Z. But let's look, and we can't get caught up in the comparison because none of them deserved any of the talents. None of them deserved it. But when we look at the grace of God and then start to look at what he's done, God is so good and he knows our abilities. And if you look, it says to each 
according to their abilities. So we want what we want and what we want what we think is fair. Even though we've gone and squandered what God gave us in the last season. God has given us these abilities and these talents and given us according to our abilities. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, cool, God, I'm just going to go and do what I want with it. You know, uh, and we have to look at it. We have to say what God has given us. We have to be stewards over it. We can't be owners because these men that were given these talents, they were not the owners of it. He didn't say, all right, this is yours forever. It's for keeps. Go do with what you want. I don't care. He said, I'm giving this to you to steward over. And true stewardship says today matters. And you say, okay, well, you know, I want to be a better person. I'm going to go to the gym. And how many of us, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to go to the gym, but I'm going to wait till next week. Or, you know, this has been great, this has been real, this has been fun, but I'm going to wait till tomorrow. We're going to see how things pan out. But the problem is that tomorrow always shows up today. And what have we done with our yesterday to bring us to this today? So the question is, are you a steward of what has God given, what God has given to us? Or are you trying to secure it out of fear? All right, come on. You know, because stewards are like managers. If you have a CEO and he says, I need you to manage over this branch, you know at the end of the day how everything runs in that branch falls on you, but you are not the owner of it. Because the CEO is. Because it's not yours. It's God's. God has given this to you, this season of your life, whatever you're going He's given it to you, and how are you going to steward over that and not hold it to you because securing when you do that you think you're the owner of it and you say okay I'm in this branch now this is my branch everything's going to run the way I want it to these tellers are going to say what I want them to it's going to be whatever I want and if they don't do what I want then they're out you know but the CEO comes and he says what are you doing this is not our culture. We're supposed to have each other's backs here, and you're just, like, treating them like scum. That's not our culture. And I give you this branch to steward over to make better for me, but now you squandered it because you think you rule the roost. But at the end of the day, God wants us to just be managers, and he doesn't want us to secure it, and he doesn't want us to be the boss, because like again, we are flawed. So let's go ahead and jump to the next verse. So, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Okay, that's cool, you know, so he invested, he got more, he traded. Uh, let's look at the next one. So also, he who had two talents made two more. And when we look at the scriptures, this second one, he went out and worked. Because God says, you know, I gave you these passions, I gave you these talents, 
for a reason. I place you in this season of your life for a reason. I've given you the ability to write. I've given you the ability to sing, to write songs. I've given you this ability to, you know, uh, sportscast for all I know. I've given you these abilities. How are you managing them? But you have to work. Because God's not going to say, okay, well, if you have it and you go out and play poker and you happen to double that, that's not work. You have to say, okay, God, you've given this to me. God gave me in my personal life the ability to take pictures and to do videography. And for so long, I was so scared and I held that talent so close because I was so petrified of what people were going to say. That's not good. It's terrible. It sucks. That's just garbage. And for so long, I held that so close to me. And God's like, listen, I gave you these abilities and these talents. And what are you doing? You are squandering them. Right. Right. Come on. And he said, when I bless you, you need to step out in faith into the unknown and you need to start telling people that you this is something you do and so I stepped out in faith and when I heard that Hannah was getting married I was like I felt God saying well go ask them if they have someone to take pictures I'm like no God they probably do like there's thousands of people around here with cameras but no God said go ask them and Karen was like oh yeah no she doesn't and God gave me that opportunity and then Julie was talking about how she couldn't afford for a wedding videographer. And I was like, God, that's scary. That's a big responsibility. But I was like, I stepped out in faith and I was like, Julie. And Julie was like, oh, yes. In fact, and because I stepped out in faith, what God has done has now given me four more weddings yeah. and multiple other opportunities to go out and use the talents and abilities and be a blessing to people yes. that wouldn't be able to have access to that before. What is your ability? What is your talent that you're sitting on? Because you are so scared about what other people are going to think. So let's go to the next one. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So the one with five and two invested what they had because they were being managers over it, because they were stewarding over it. Now, when, there's a lot of agriculture around here. A lot of you are familiar with it. When a farmer goes out to sow seeds in the ground, He's not saying, all right, little seed, I'm going to bury you in there. Uh, all right, it's been real. Never to see you again. Peace out, homie. No, he knows that when he plants that seed in the ground, that it's going to grow. And he's invested in that. And he knows if he waters it and takes care of it and stores over the farm that he's given, that it will grow. You know, and what are we doing with that? How many of us are trying so hard to secure something that was meant to be a seed? And we say, this talent, this gift, it's mine. This little seed, this magic little bee seed, I'm just going to put this in a box, 
close it up, lock it up. All right, nobody will ever get to it there. When God said, no, I want you to take this and I want you to plant it in the ground and I want you to store it and water over it so it can grow because one day your community is going to need food and your community is going to rely on you. And because you sowed that seed and you've trusted me, now I can use you That's right. yeah. and I can take that and I can supply other people's needs yeah. because you will never be able to see what God wanted it to become because you're trying so hard yourself to secure it. When we fall down and we scrape our arm, we put a band-aid on it because we want to secure it. Because we're afraid. So what I challenge you to do, you need to dig up that song. You need to dig up that idea that you have. You need to dig up your heart. You need to dig up the piece of art that you're trying to create. And instead of putting it in a grave for it to rot, you need to step out in faith and let God multiply that. Because if we just hide it away, nobody's going to know. And then they're suffering because you have not invested and planted and let God in that. So let's go to the next slide. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the account with him. Uh-oh. You know, have you ever had, a, you know, um, oh, what are they called? The people that come and inspect the banks, you know? And you're like, oh, they're here. They're going to make sure everything's running smoothly. Scary. So let's see what happens when the master comes back. And he who had received five talents came forth bringing in five talents more, saying to the master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And the second, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set over you much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the second one. He also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I made you two more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set up much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, one thing that you need to notice is both of them acknowledge and said, Master, you delivered to me talents. Not I went out and found them, I had them, and then I invested them. Now I'm getting, no, no, no. God said, I have given them to you. So let's see what happens to the last one. He said also, who had received the one talent, came forth, saying, Master, I knew you were you to be a hard man, ripping where you did not sow, and gathering where you have not you have scattered no seed. The servant said he knew as if he knew what he wanted. He assumed. When you're sorting over what God has given you, you acknowledge what God's given you. You say, God, you've given me these abilities, now use them. You've done this in my life, now use it. 
But have you ever had someone come to you and they're like, oh, I know you. I know what you're about. And you're like, I met you one day. You don't know me. You don't know. And it's so dangerous for us to take advice from people that they're like, oh, yeah, I know God. But they have no relationship with them because they're assuming what God wants in your life for you. And they're assuming that they don't have a relationship with them. They're not talking to you on a regular basis. So how can they know? You know, and they're like, I think God wants this for you. I think God wants you here. But they don't know. But when someone is walking with the Lord and reaching out to him and talking to him, and let me just say this, because this was a revelation in my life, because I've always heard God will come to you. God has a will for you. God wants to talk with you. God does the initial reaching out. He says, come to me. But then it's on you. That's right. If you're not hearing from God and you're like, I'm just waiting. And my dad will tell you that at Bible college, he knew of so many other pastors. And like, I'm just waiting for the will of God, you know, just waiting for the writing in the sky. I'm just here waiting. And he's like, why aren't you out doing? Because you don't know, because you are not talking to God. If you do not say, God, I want to hear from you, it would be like me coming to Julie and like, oh, I really want to talk to Julie. She just seems like such a great person. She told me hi. She reached out the first time. And now I want to talk to her. And I'm sitting here waiting and waiting. And Julie's like, why is this shady looking at me so crazy? You know, but it's not until I reach out and say, Julie, hi. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be your friend. And it's not until you reach out and say, God, I want to hear from you. And I'm ready to talk. And I'm ready to be here. Because God's, like we've always said, God's a gentleman. He's going to knock. He's reaching out. But if you're just like, man, someone's knocking on that door. Don't they know I always have the door open? They can just come on in. I don't know what he's waiting for. I don't understand why he just won't come on in. We're in the South. Everyone's friendly. Like, you know, I love Lucy. Just Ethel coming on in. But God says, no, I'm knocking because I want you to reach out and receive me and talk to me. And you put in that effort, too, that I have given you. So we need to, in our lives, we need to stop assuming how God can take a little bit of our sacrifice and multiply it into something that can bless others. And it's incredible what God can do with a little bit of obedience. Because so many times we're like Saul. King Saul, and we're out hustling, we're out doing, and God says, okay, I need you to go out, and I need you to defeat this army. And he's like, okay, God, I got you. I'm a good warrior. I've done this before. We're going to go out and defeat this army. And God says, I want you to kill everyone. I need you to get rid of this impurity. And he's like, okay, God, I hear you. All right, let's go, men. Let's go defeat these people. They go through, but they're like, oh, no, these sheep are these oxen are good. This king, maybe he could fetch us a high reward, you know? So we'll kill everything else. But we're going to leave this sheep, they good. And then you have Samuel, who comes along and was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Saul, why do I hear the 
cheap. And so I was like, oh, bro, don't worry. Like, I saved those because I want to sacrifice them. And how many of us are out and we feel like we're constantly sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing and living in that life and we're saying, but God, I did so much for them and they're not doing anything for me. I don't get it. God, I'm out here and I'm giving and I'm giving and I'm giving. But God is saying, yeah, you're doing all that. You're hustling. But I've called you to sing in the praise team. I've called you. To go work here. I've called you to use your talents and your abilities and write that book and write that song. And I've called you to that. But you think you're out here sacrificing for everyone else? But God said, obedience is better than sacrifice. So we have to go out. We're playing the victim. We're like, God, but we've been hustling. Nobody appreciates me. And he's like, okay, but what have I told you? And you're not obeying. Because how many times has your mom told you, go clean your room? And you're like, okay, mom, well, I'll go clean my room. And baby, you clean all the rest of the house, but not your room. And your mom comes in and says, wow, did you clean your room? Mom, I cleaned the whole house for you. I sacrificed my entire afternoon. I got it spotless. But did you clean your room? That's what I asked you to do. And you want to act like you're big and bad when I had somebody in coming to clean the house, but you can't even clean your room. You cannot steward over what I've given you. That house, you cannot clean it because you're trying to sacrifice and make yourself look better instead of obeying. So let's move on. So the next verse. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Here, have what is yours. So we see here, he says, I hid your talents in the ground. And let's take a look at what the master says. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not Scattered no, where I have scattered no seed. God told them that what they He had given them. When you look at all the other ones, He says, "I gave you a small amount." And we think, okay, God's given me all this responsibility. God's given me all this and all this and all this, and I don't know how I'm going to do it on my own. But God's saying, no, 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 no. What I gave you was small. That was a small piece of what I want to do. And you're like, God, but if I don't have this small piece, then what am I going to be? And God says, I have so much greater for you. But you're holding on to this small little amount of something that I've given you. And you're just going to take that small little bit and run and hide it in the ground and bury it to where nobody can see it and where it cannot grow. Because you're saying, well, I just, I don't know how I can handle all this responsibility, and I don't know if I can be vulnerable again, and I don't know, and I don't know. So, um, okay, God, I know you gave this to me, but I'm just going to bury it in here. Okay, good. Now you're safe. And then what happens? It's there, and God is not using you. And he's like, but that was such a small amount. How can I trust you? 
with more and greater and better for you when I cannot trust you with that tiny little amount of something. And let me say this, God is not limited by our small thinking, but by our small obedience. Right. If we don't start obeying God at the small things, because we think they are too small maybe, well, I know God told me to pay for their groceries, but Okay, that's that's not that's not everything. You know, God's wanted to say hi to them, but you know that's small. Like I need to do something big. Maybe that's our problem. And God's saying, okay, but if you're not living day to day today in what I've called you to, and you're not serving me today and going out and listening, then how can I trust you? And how can I bless you with more if you're not blessing with a small amount that I have given you? So let's go to, no, you're right. So when you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and then coming, I should have received then what was my own interest. He's like, you would have been better to take those talents that I gave you and just put them in the bank. Because we all know you'll, you'll get a little bit of interest. Maybe, you know, point blank zero five percent interest on it. He's like, you would have been better taking that and sewing it away somewhere else in a bank than just giving me back what was mine. So let's go to the next one. So take the talents from him and give to him who has the ten talents. So God is not out to be greedy. We see here, God is not out to get. God is not saying, I need your money. I need your heart. I need your, you know, your obedience. I need all, I need, I need. No, God is saying, if you don't do it, if I can't trust you with what I've given you, then I'm going to take that and I'm going to give it to somebody else who can store it over what I've given him. We look at Esther in the Bible. She's like, you know, if I don't do it, if I don't go before King Ahasuerus and maybe die, then God's just going to bring someone else. And I'm not going to get the blessing for that. You know, and it's not about giving our money to get. We're not saying, okay, God, if I give you $300 this week, next week, you're just going to bless me. with No, no, no. That's a smart business decision. But God is saying, no, I have you giving so that you can bless somebody else so that they can in turn bless you. And God is holding out on all these blessings for you because you're not trying to pour out and bless somebody else because God doesn't need our money. The God who created the heavens and the earth and the sky and all that wrongs by snap of his fingers out of nothing. He doesn't need our money, but he wants us to live a blessed life and he wants the best for us. And we are depriving ourselves because we're, we're holding on so tight and we're not giving it to God. So let's go to the next slide. It says, for to who everyone who was willing who will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So what he's saying here is, they went and they invested, and they blessed, and they invested in people, and they blessed, and they gave what I gave them to get to bless and get blessed. But if you're going to do this, if you're going to squander away what I have, I'm just going to give it to someone else. And then the last verse and cast out the worthless servant into outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If we are not stewarding over what God has given us, 
He's just going to take it and give it to someone else. So in closing, I want all of us to think, what are we holding on so deeply and so, so close to our chest? My talents, my abilities, my heart, my actions, my emotions. But we think, what can God be using in us? And how can we be used by him? And I guarantee you, if we all started seeing that and chasing after God's what he wants and blessing others and giving that little that God has given, this church will grow in leaps and bounds and God will bless. Because it's not us going out and trying to do it, but because God is pouring into us and we're just reciprocating and pouring into others. And I so want that for everyone. I want you to live a blessed life. Because I have seen what God can do in my own life and where he has taken me from. And I just want everyone to catch that. And to say, I've been holding on to this for way too long. And I can't handle this burden anymore. I can't hold on to this because I've been hurt too many times, God. I've been called weird and crazy and too out there too many times. And if I do it again, look, I feel like that's what I've made you and that's what I want you to do. And he has brought us to a place now where we're pouring out. And if we hold on to that, I dread to think about what will happen to so many others that needed that pouring into. Who's going to pour into them? Somebody that doesn't know God that's not, not in relationship with him and they're going to pour evil and the will of the devil into them when we could be pouring so much good and truth and holiness into them. And I just love the church so much and I believe God has places in this exact spot for a reason. So how are we stewarding over where we're at in our lives, motherhood, parenthood, singleness? What are we doing with God where God has us now? Because if we start trying to chase after other things, God's like, that's sacrifice and that's not what I want. I want your obedience. And I just want that for every single one of us. It's beautiful.